Jersey is the world. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of New Jersey is the world. It's October, and I am firmly of the opinion that Halloween is an important cultural touchstone in this state. We are, after all, the only state that has mischief night, goosey night, cabbage night, whatever you want to call it. It's one of the things that I personally want to champion that we all need to team up and bring back. Uh, we are dedicating this month to the exploration of it being Halloween month. And as such, tonight we are here, the Woe Town crew, and Mike D has prepared an incredible outline on the state of Halloween past and present. And I imagine we'll also talk about our hopes for Halloween future. Mike D, you put the work in on this one. How are you? I'm good. I'm just a little sad that I grew up with Mischief Night and not Goosey Night, because I think Goosey Night is one of the greatest phrases in in the English language. Bon and Tucci, if you had to choose between Mischief Night, Goosey Night, and Cabbage Night, I would say all three stellar names. Which would you choose? Isn't there like a Devil's Night too? Isn't it? Or is that from the Crow? That's in Detroit. That's in Detroit. But Mischief Night, okay. Goosey Night, Cabbage Night are all names found within New Jersey. I like Mischief Night. I, I grew up with it. I'm comfortable. I don't know where the Goosey came from. So My understanding is Mischief Night is spread throughout most of the state, but that there's areas of Passaic and Bergen County where you can interchange it with Goosey Night and Cabbage Night. And the funny thing is yeah. people who grew up with it as Goosey Night have never heard of Mischief Night, Cabbage Night, etc. And all of us, I mean, I didn't realize that Mischief Night was not a national holiday until maybe three years ago, two years ago. Yeah, I always thought it was too. Accurate. Yeah. It's it's us in Detroit and a few parts of New England and that's it. But it's really biggest here. And modern technology has ruined yet another great thing. Well, it's one of the things we're going to talk about. I, I right. want, Mike D, I want to put it in your hands as far as how you want to structure this episode, but I do have a few things I want to get on record. And since we kind of dovetailed into it so naturally, I do just want to say, I think Mischief Night is not what it once was. And I think all of us who are parents have to actively encourage our children to go out and reignite Mischief Night, even if it leads to them getting arrested on vandalism charges i'm okay with cal bringing home that ticket if i ever have to pick up my son for vandalism on october 30th not only will i not be mad mad i will be vocally proud I, I wouldn't have a problem with it except for the fact that like i feel like kids now like if you do anything wrong they like try to ruin your life this is one of the things i want to talk about you know what i mean like it's like you can't just go out and okay but i made a bad decision I egged the neighbor's house that I hate. I did all these other terrible things. I didn't break anything necessarily. Um, but like, you know, they just make an example of kids now, no matter what you do. I feel like this is where the pushback begins. Is New Jersey is the world drawing a line in the sand and saying, helicopter parenting, overly scheduled kids schedules, this idea that everything has these strict, irreversible consequences. I get it. I see how it came to be. There's probably some ways in which it's a positive thing that parents are more on top of it. But Mischief Night and Halloween have got to be protected as nights of chaos, unregulated chaos. I can say firmly, West Orange in the 80s and 90s, Mischief Night and Halloween felt like the kids were in charge and it was unpredictable. And there was, it hit a certain point of night where it was legit truly chaotic and you didn't know how it was going to end. And I want to go to bat saying that that's a good thing, 
And we can talk about it more now, or like I said, I want to pass the ball to Mike D because he worked hard on this outline. We can let's talk about this. I I think if you look at the whole point of what Halloween is actually for, right? Originally, it was, and I'm sure there's going to be some internet people who want to argue with me about this, but ultimately, the idea is that on Halloween every year, that is the day of the year where the barrier between the living world and the world of the dead, the spirit world, is the thinnest. And because of that, people put on disguises and they disguise themselves as something that might come from the other realm to hide themselves from the spirits. And they roam the streets acting like spirits and and making mischief. I mean, that's basically what it's supposed to be. And that's why I think letting especially kids, kids should have a night a year where they can go out and just perform chaos. And really, honestly, I've cleaned toilet paper out of my bushes. I've had to clean (laughs) eggs off my front door. Yeah, it's a little annoying, but it's not the end of the world. Ultimately, it's a slight inconvenience that we can all pay for kids going out to, to have a good time for really two nights a year, Mischief Night and Halloween. I also think that's what we get for becoming lame suburban homeowners. And I mean that seriously, right? Like if a couple times a year I got I to gotta scrape some toilet paper out of a bush, I got to have the hose hooked up a little later into the fall than I want to spray an egg down. Guess what? We became fucking landowners and there's consequences to that. What, Mike D, this is the type of thing you know about that I don't know about. What's the holiday in England where it used to be that for one day a year, the lords of the manor and their family would be the servants and the servants got to be the lords? I feel like this Halloween stuff relates directly to that of like, yeah, we're paying property taxes now. It's not very punk rock anymore. We mow our lawns. We pull weeds. We're lame suburban homeowners. And part of the contract of that is that the youth get the right to fuck with us a little bit. And that's part of the deal. We certainly did it when we were growing up. I believe there is one. If I came to your house and poured bleach all over your front yard, I know how much you love your lawn. (laughs) Well, And I spell like Bonaduce and bleach on your like beautifully manicured lawn, would you be like upset? I th- I would be if if you at the in our mid forties. I'm not saying destroyed some, my lawn. Yeah, and a lot spelled of the word Bonaduce and bleach. Yeah, that's a bit. If a kid did something similar, that's what I mean. I think yeah. bleach all over my front lawn is a bit much. But eggs, toilet paper. No, I do too. But there's always these these mischief night standards. I'd have no problem with. You it. know how it goes. It's like pushing the envelope. It it turns. It goes from innocent fun to like. You know, you're trying to outdo one another. And I'm talking about boxing. So Boxing Day. And it gets like a... Oh, I know. It's Boxing Day, right? That's the one where everybody switches? Isn't that Canada? I thought Boxing Day was... No, Boxing Day is where you box up your old belongings just after Christmas and, and donate them to charity or, or give them away. Like you box things up. I thought you... Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. It was an old-timey phone. <laughs> oh, that's me. I'm sorry. Why do you have an old-timey phone? I don't know. I thought I had it off. Oh, but I do believe there was a, a medieval holiday where once once a year, the the jester would, would be elected king for the day and was allowed to do whatever they wanted for the day. And it was supposed to be more of a, 
a fun thing where the, the the jester would sort of induce chaos and make all these crazy rules that everyone had to follow for a day, which isn't that different from Halloween. This Saturnalia, I'm being I'm looking it up now. It looks like it's the winter festival of Saturnalia reversed the normal social hierarchy with masters waiting on slaves for a day. Yes. Servants' balls were often held shortly after Christmas. So it's right around that same time. I think it ties into that. I think there's something cultural about Mischief Night that is straight up like, look, all of you want to own houses. All of you want to pay taxes to the government. That's lame. We are youth. We are mad about stuff. We can cause trouble. And the way we will remind you of that in a way that's not as destructive as it could be is that you might catch some toilet paper or an egg. I've, I've actually thought about, as part of my Halloween display, maybe starting when Cal's a little older, figuring out if there's some way for me to uh, start some sort of mischief night challenge in my neighborhood. That's like, hey, if, if you can get X, Y, or Z to happen between sundown and sunup, you win 10 bucks, any kid in the neighborhood. Like, I'll put something on top of a long pole or something like whoever can get it without me catching you, you win money. Like I want to actively encourage. Oh, mischief you should just, you should bring back the great, this is a real New Jersey tradition that I remember from when I was very young, the grease pole. At a lot of the Italian festivals, they would grease up a pole and on top of the pole, they would have a basket of money and, and the, whoever the person was that could climb the grease pole and get to the top would, would get the money. There you go. We'll erect one in your yard. Dude, I want to put some, y'all have kids at 3.30 in the morning trying to climb a greased pole in the darkness in my, on my lawn. That's what you want though. I think it would be so fun to create a mischief night challenge and challenge local youth to fuck with me on that night. I feel like if, if if someone had done that in West Orange growing up, we would have plotted all year on how to defeat the Mischief Night Challenge. We would have spent- We would have been checking out library dude, books to figure out ways- We would have gotten better grades because we would have been like studying engineering principles. Oh God. We would have graph paper, charts, facts, figures, blueprints. We'd be getting, we'd be going to the town offices and getting like layouts of the fucking- sewage grids and electrical grids to see if we could manipulate the challenge. All I want to do is build some mischief night challenge in my yard. Hmm. Well, you could be the person that brings I'll take that challenge. Mischief night back. I'm going to bring mischief night back. It has to happen. I mean, one of the I think part of it part, part 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 of the reason I think why the mischief night is in the decline in New Jersey is 95% of people have a camera now in front yeah. of their home, multiple cameras, oh, yeah. most people. Yeah. And so Absolutely. the ability to, you know, run out and do something and not get caught is much, much, much lower. And also I think people have this very strange sense of, of vengeance and righteousness against children. Now they just don't let kids get away with anything, which is, which is sad because some things, I guess they're not a big deal. Your house getting toilet papered is not a big deal. There's joy to it, man. Oh, it's don't. a reminder that every societal rule is a mutual agreement. And those mutual agreements can be backed out of if people decide to act crazy. Like you don't, nothing forces your car to stop at a red light except the fact that you go, it's time to put my foot on the brake. That's a societal contract. And I feel like Mischief Night, the whole purpose is to say, we're all walking a goddamn tightrope collectively. 
and the other 363 and a half days of the year where it's going well, we should all be thrilled about that. And let's let the one and a half nights, all of Mischief Night and part of Halloween, let's let them just be chaos for the sake of reminding ourselves how good we have it the rest of the goddamn time. And limit it to children only. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, should, it should just be for kids to enjoy. Well, you tell me. You tell me. I, now I'm just going crazy. But I'm like, do I want my kid growing up in a world where he's obsessed with following the rules? Like, I was a pretty good kid. I was a, kind of a goody two-shoe, but I still... I still grew up in fucking New Jersey. I still knew how to get shit done off the books. You know, I still knew that sometimes you need to go talk to a person off the record. And sometimes maybe if somebody's, maybe if there's something you need and it's on the other side of a fence, you need to get out the wire cutters. Like that's part of growing up here. <laughs> how are our kids going to learn that if everybody's like, you know, you, if you get in any trouble, it'll affect your standing on the lacrosse team. You know, like how, how, Kids, Jersey kids in the... The threat was always the permanent... It's going to go on your permanent record. It'll go on your permanent record. Dude, it gives a shit. Maybe that means something now. Does it mean something now? It gives a shit about the permanent... I want my kid to grow... It goes on your permanent digital record. It means less now than it did when we were kids. Oh, what? If you have a good permanent record, what does that mean? That, uh... You get a job that pays 5% above a living wage and you get to have a heart attack and drop dead from working at 60 versus 55 because that's ultimately what you're in for. I know that's bleak. The Jersey attitude and the Jersey know-how and the Jersey, the Jersey ability. I'll never forget, man. When I lived out in Queens, we moved to a neighborhood. Hallie and I, when we bought our first place out in Jackson Heights, parking was impossible in that neighborhood. And... I mean, you couldn't find street parking after a certain point at night and every pay lot in the neighborhood. We were like, this sucks. We're going to have to go pay for a parking spot. But all of them were like, we're booked up. We're booked up. We're booked up. One, a few of them were 24 hours. I came back in the middle of the night one night. Hallie was like, how was parking? It was like 3.30 in the morning. Oh. She woke up. How was parking? I'm like, yo, we got a parking spot. She's like, how'd we get a parking spot? I'm like, don't worry about it. Don't ask questions. She, she's like, oh, you went Jersey on that one. I'm like, yep. <laughs> I'm a pretty mild-mannered guy, but sometimes the Jersey needs to come out. And if somebody else needs to not have a parking spot so I can have a parking spot, we can have that conversation and we can make that happen. And I went back to that parking lot in the morning and I met the day guy and he's like, you're the new car. He's like, how much did he get you for? I'm like, don't worry about it. We worked something out. I'll take care of you too. You know what I mean? Like we got it done Jersey style. My kid needs to know how to do that as much as he needs to know how to, uh, you know, attend an after-school tutoring program. Yeah, you got to teach your kid how to use the toe strap and pull a car out of a spot so he can take it. Every once in a while. I like, I rather like when you channel your father's uh, rage. Yeah, I was just hanging out with him last weekend, so. I thought, did you recharge? It's, <sighs> all of us know, once you have a kid, your dad, your your own father's lunacy starts to make a lot more sense. We all know that. Some of it makes less sense, and a lot of it makes more sense. It's his chance to torment you now. Dude, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we're talking about Halloween, Sorry. the past, the present, the future. Did your parents let you out on Mischief Night? Fuck no, man. I used to, Mike D was my scapegoat for Mischief Night. But I was... You said you were going to Mike D's house? Not allowed out. Oh, so I'm going to go hang out with Mike D tonight. Well, I was okay. safely at home because Mischief Night is my mom's birthday. 
So it was extremely difficult for me to uh, to get out on mischief night and, and cause chaos. To, to put it in perspective down the hill. So I lived on a dead end street that was physically on a hill. And I remember when I was young, up through like mid high school, I would sit on my front steps on mischief night or my front porch on mischief night. It was cold. <laughs> and you would just occasionally see a teenager running for their fucking yeah, life. Yeah, the best. Hopping a fence running from another kid, a gang of kids, or like a car speeding because clearly the car got egged or even a fucking cop car. And that was down the hill West Orange. And I'm not saying it was like uh, a video game where it was like Frogger and they were constantly running by, but every mischief night. And I mean, I could, I won't name names, but you guys know my neighborhood. There were some legends, some certified legends in my neighborhood. And you would sometimes see some of those people just fucking hauling ass around the neighborhood. And we all know one of the great traditions growing up in West Orange back then, the West Orange Chronicle, <laughs> which I don't think is still around, but our, our weekly paper. was the best. The police blotter the week after Mischief Night and Halloween was like a town-wide kid holiday because everybody wanted to see what showed up in the police blotter and everybody wanted bragging rights on who did the most insane fucking thing. And I will say that in our entire generation, and you guys probably remember this, nothing, my neighborhood still has to hold the crown from when a kid who I'll say his first name was Pat. You guys know who I'm talking about. He was in your grade straight up got arrested because he lit Colgate park on fire. The police blotter was like the park was on fire and it was because of this kid, Pat lighting shit on fire to the point where the whole park could be said to be on fire. That's a big fucking park, man. That's real mischief. The police blotter post mischief night was incredible, man. It was like a fucking Hemingway novel every year. As bad as the down the hill kids, I think it was like an expected thing that they were going to be, you know, the most active. But when we got into and the a, Valley kids, yeah, the Valley kids. So like when we got older, I remember one mischief night, we like wandered up to um, the stag field area, which had like a ton of kids in it. Oh, and like there was an abyss. So for anybody listening, there was an abandoned pool. If you're ever in West Orange, there's the McDonald's on Northfield Avenue. Then there's stag field. And in between them for decades was this abandoned complex of indoor pools like a town pool or like a pool club was it like a community pool right like an outdoor pool or something? yeah and kids used to go drink 40s in there all the time so that was a very popular kids from all different neighborhoods in town wound up there continue nick but the up the hill kids were sometimes like more extreme i believe like it wasn't yeah. like just you know okay like uh, somebody lit the field on fire or whatever but like those kids went out and, like, busted up cars and, like, smashed windows, like, that kind of crazy shit. I'm, like, I think the, oh, the one year, we I, we spent the entire night, like, running from, like, the police because we egged them on Mount Pleasant Avenue. But, like, that was the limit of, like, what we were doing. I don't know. Maybe we did worse. I don't know. Not on Mischief Night. <laughs> we saved it. <laughs> yeah, not on Mischief Night. That was a... <laughs> I do have... I think the worst I ever got into it, it was actually on Halloween, not Mischief Night, but I was in high school... And I had gotten my hands on a Pink Panther costume. And me and my friends were running around. I was just at the Pink Panther. And we ran into some other clique of down the hill kids. And an, and an epic fucking egg war erupted 
where I'll never forget being dressed head to toe in Pink Panther oh. and being like, fuck, there's like three of us and seven of them and there's eggs flying. Throw that outfit out. Well, we made it back to my house and then my house got egged because they all stood at the top of Allen Street and they started launching eggs at my house. And my dad, of course, came out and was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Those kids are being assholes. I'm like, we've been, you know, don't need to mention to my dad that we've been tormenting each other for hours. And unfortunately, they, you know, that that moment of childhood when it's like fuck they saw which house we went into they know where you live so you're like pop 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 like oh they're unloading on my fucking house everybody knows where everybody lives yeah man but i had the full head pink panther so they didn't know it was me until i went to the house and then it was fucking game on but That's true you give some you get some mischief night baby you were probably cleaning eggs out of the that pink fur for uh for weeks to come well then my dad this is all coming back to me now yeah that costume was ruined i had to clean all the eggs off my house and then my dad the next day found like two cartons of eggs in the bushes and he was like what the fuck is this and i was just kind of like uh and i couldn't think of an answer quick enough he's like oh so these were yours ah so he's like you and anthony and lenny and antonio were just fucking okay so you were part of it all right clean up all this fucking shit man so he we got caught it's like when your parents find two cases of Meister Brow in your it was the best. closet and you blame Mike D and they actually believe you. You could blame Mike D for anything. <laughs> My back I tried. Mike D was a bad kid. It was a bad influence on me. I mean, it, it was a known fact and you could you could shove a lot off onto Mike D. It, always, it unfairly created a boogeyman situation too. No, everybody really knew. That. Um, Mike D, let's get into it. One of the big questions, I want to know what you're finding out. How does Halloween back from our day in the 80s compared to modern Halloween? What's, what are we looking at here? Statistically, one thing that's interesting is roughly the same number of people participate in Halloween now that they did in 1980, which is about 73%, which I find interesting. I kind of thought that would have dropped over time, um, but it definitely, uh, it definitely didn't. One thing that I thought was pretty cool, though, is... The most popular costumes in the 80s. So when, when, when we were kids, horror movie characters, hmm. Jason Voorhees, uh, Freddy Krueger, yeah. superheroes. So Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, cartoon characters, the Smurfs. You don't see too many Smurfs oh, yeah, anymore. You don't see Smurfs anymore, right? <laughs> Scooby-Doo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Classic monsters, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, Mummy, and then movie and TV characters. So Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, Star Trek. Whereas now, the most popular costumes, superheroes are still there. Mm. But then we've got Disney characters. So Disney princesses, which I'm sure everyone has seen, or if they have a daughter, they have likely dressed up as one. Oh, yeah. Pop culture characters, like characters from Stranger Things, Game of Thrones, uh, classic monsters are still popular, but a new development is group and couple costumes are now oh. at the very top of the list, which they were not when yeah. we were eighties. And I don't think they're talking about those uh, two person horse costumes, no. which I wore once and do not ever <laughs> recommend as funny as you think that is. Do not wear a two person horse costume. No, they're talking about uh, all four members of a family are each a different Ninja Turtle. Right. They're talking about stuff like that. Or Raggedy Ann and Andy. The, yeah. the Incredibles. Yeah. 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 It's a popular one. Yeah. I get it. I think when you're a kid, it's okay like to be like, I don't know, superheroes and crap like that. But I think once you get like a little older, you should like commit to being a gruesome character. I think you're totally right, Nick. But I also think every crew of friends, and I think I may have been this for my crew of friends, needs to have the kid who's hanging on to the whimsy for a year or two too long. 
Like, you need to have a transition where everybody's a fucking vampire or a zombie and the costumes are getting legit and there's still one fucking dickhead dressed as the fucking... Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. Here's a good... Dressed as, dressed as Splinter from the Ninja Turtles in the red bathrobe with a rat head. A good example of that. I'm thinking of somebody specifically, uh, our buddy uh, Steve Strange down there in Florida. Like, I remember the year he was dressed as the Energizer Bunny. Yes. Which was... Not quite whimsical, but like funny. We were old though. Yeah, we were like, I mean, we were like probably 17. He was, you know, whatever, 15, 16. And then in great Halloween tradition, he had a great Energizer <laughs> Bunny costume. And that's when the Energizer Bunny, for people who may be too young to remember, this was for Energizer Batteries. Their mascot was a pink rabbit who beat a drum and walked around. And the joke was, it keeps going and going. It was, and so uh, he had a big cardboard drum that he made. And at some point during Halloween evening, someone <laughs> took that drum, lit it on fire, and rolled it down a hill where it rolled down the hill like a flaming wheel and caught a whole bunch of leaves on fire. So there's like a that's, burning drum and leaves. And it started a pretty a West pretty Halloween. large fire, if I remember. That's a West Orange Halloween. For some reason, one of us always had accelerants on us. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, group... The group costume thing is very eye-opening, Mike, because I'm all for it. And Cal last year wanted to be the PJ Masks, who it's a great kid show. It's a cartoon about little kid superheroes. So yeah. Hallie was Owlette. I was Gecko. Cal was Catboy. It was fun. But I do think it ties into a little bit of the overly regulated Halloween that I'm sensing. Although who knows if I'm being alarmist about that. There's a trend for this, though. You're right, Chris. So in... The 80s, homemade costumes were extremely popular, mm. almost the dominant thing, so to the point where most costumes were homemade, or, or at least parts of them, whereas now, homemade costumes are fairly rare. And I think that speaks to regulation. Instead of you, you a kid having an idea and saying, oh, I want to be right Splinter from the Ninja Turtles, and where you get a bathrobe and a bad rat mask and a your grandmother's cane and your Splinter... Now you just go to, you know, Spirit Halloween or yeah, so lame. To Caldor, which doesn't exist, but something like Caldor, and you buy the costume off the rack. So I think there is more regulation of even what's acceptable to wear. And the rules, I mean, they send home from my daughter's school well in advance of Halloween every year. Yeah. A, an extensive list of rules of what is allowed. Yes. I just got no a, masks, no weapons, no gore, no blood, no peanuts. I get it. Nothing with peanuts. No peanuts. I'll tell you guys this. This guy you can't even come in dressed as a peanut anymore. Somebody might have Mr. a planner is a no Mr. go. Is a costume. Like, oh, I saw a peanut and I had a, a, a reaction and choked to death. You guys all like this. So we're recording this October 10th, right? So I've had to tell Cal, we've got all our Halloween decorations out of the attic. They're in our garage. Daddy, Cal's like, Daddy, we got to set up all the creepy stuff. Yes. Hallie's like, I don't want to look at it for the whole Oh, month. that's the whole thing. So there's been some tension there. I know. But I go, Cal, what we'll do is we'll add one thing every day, and then we'll blow it out at some point, you know? But I've mentioned, I think I mentioned last week that I have these creepy latex zombie babies, like these undead babies. I'm not kidding. I'm starting to feel bad because... So we had a, a play date with some kids from Cal's preschool last week. Girl, Cal went in the garage was like, you guys got to see my zombies. Ah! The girl starts crying. <gasps> and then last night we had friends over for dinner. And Cal's buddy, River, who's a great kid, lives right near us. 
And he's like a he's like a fucking badass man. He's always running around, acting crazy. I love this kid. He saw them and he didn't cry, but he got real freaked out and quiet That's good. and scared. But I'm like, man, whatever. I'm like out here making kids cry. This is not good. Fuck that shit, man. Whatever. The whole point is to scare the shit out of people, even if you're a fucking kid. I don't give a shit. <laughs> if that's some sort of child trauma that you fucking go through and it like affects you later in life, we're like, fuck you. You're a kid. You're supposed to be scared shitless. You're supposed to be scared to like fucking look under your bed after you come home. Like that's the whole point. There is a part of me that's like instill terror in these children. Don't you guys also think there is a part of me that's like, I bet, I bet, you know, we're living in a world where I, I would like to think that there's less bullying. It's still a reality though. I'm like, I bet kids will fuck with Cal less. They're like, wait, yeah, the guy, guys, he lives in that fucking psycho house at Halloween. They're like, that's the guy who has the zombies coming out of the ground in his yard. Yeah. I think the problem with our world is there is less bullying. At the very least. <laughs> really? No, I cannot have a pro-bullying moment on the show. With everything me and my brother put up with. It's I remember sick. moments of like being terrified as a kid by like. Oh, yeah. Things and I think like and I love horror stuff now like Halloween. So we used to go to Salem every single year for probably like four years. I lived in Salem, dude. You just brought back another like, memory. I love. Was it. there any house on yeah. your side of town? There was a house on Nutwald Avenue, oh. which was right up by where George lived. I know exactly where you're going. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Where there was? I'm thinking down the hill near us, near uh, Seton Hall. Well, dude, there was this house that every Halloween it was like, don't ring that doorbell. Witches live there. The people who live there are fucking witches. Well, the one and they never, they yeah, never had they decorations up and they never had lights on. But when we got to be like 13, 14 years old, the tail end of Halloween participation, uh -huh. we started walking up and ringing the doorbell. And obviously they wouldn't answer the door, but there are all these rumors. Don't even go to that house. Witches. We had there. the, and it was scary. We had the opposite. It was right near Seton Hall prep. It was down that street. When you come off Mount Pleasant, I forgot the name of it, but um, it had, Halloween stuff out like all year and they had like a porch on the front deck that was enclosed and I used to love going by this house because they I forgot these have like these kind of like zombies and like hanging things and they were there all year long but it was kind of out of our range for trick-or-treating so we never went there but we also had the douchebags in our neighborhood that like would never answer the door or they would come to the door and say something like we have an illness in the family like who the fuck says that like you immediately on trick or treat, like if you were given an apple or anything else by some other lame house, it was thrown at that house. And like, yeah, the UNICEF or pennies. Your pumpkin was oh, smashed. Was one, like, oh, fuck dude. the pennies. Remember those stupid, oh, not that it's bad. I mean, maybe it's bad. I, I'll tell you the worst thing. There was uh, people who used to give out religious literature. Oh, yeah, that's always good. I have a list of straight, I actually compiled a list of strange things that <clears throat> that people gave out, including chick tracks. Religious literature. Uh, the chick tracks were fascinating. Yeah, that we had somebody on right, right down the street from you, Mike. They used to give them out every year. It's like, oh, what the fuck? Like, yeah, every year. That was where I first came into contact with chick tracks. It was like a Jesus coloring book in the like trifold. Chick tracks, if you don't know, are these very weird little rectangular comic books that were published by this guy. I believe Frank Chick was his name. He, Jack Chick, I think, or Frank Jack Chick. Jack Chick. Jack Chick. Yeah, I think you're right. And they're just sort of like evangelical. They're horrifying. Pretty. I was. They're like extreme, extreme Christian. Like it's not born again. It's like just like. Oh, it's beyond born again. It's beyond born again. It's like, yeah, totally like. Uh, like you're like, oh, I got a little comic book. Cool. And then you open it up. They're and Bible it's like literacy. If you kiss like, before marriage, you're going to burn in hell for eternity. I have a great one 
and the setup for it is uh, a couple of kids decide that they're going to play Dungeons and Dragons, and they start to play Dungeons and Dragons, and very quickly in the comic they become possessed by demons and turn into actual Satanists and end up committing murder. And one of the kids from the group goes to the local, uh, you know, town preacher basically to break away from this group and exercise him. But this was something that people, I definitely remember getting well, yeah, was, on Halloween. They still exist. You can still, oh yeah, you know, get them easily. They would hand them out on like trains and stuff like that and places like that. But phone booths, phone booths, you'd find them all over Rutgers just on random Somebody would just scatter a hundred of them on a table in a in the student center. Uh, so, Mike Deep, what are some of the other things you found about what people are distributing? Um, a couple of weird ones that I remember. So, definitely chick tracks. People who used to tape together pennies. Yeah. Yes. And it, they, they would take you know five or ten pennies and tape them together and and throw them in your bag. Which again, Nick, like you said, those immediately became missiles because nothing they were nothing will break a window. Your like windows ten immediately tape together pennies. I mean, that is the perfect uh, dude. A couple uh, pennies in a wrist yeah, rocket. I'm always oh, curious, yeah. like when they used to give you the UNICEF boxes at school, like and you brought them back. Was like the principal just in there, like with 500 UNICEF boxes, like unloading them? Like did that money ever make like? How expensive is it to like take all this change and like did they like bring it to a bank and then get money and give it to UNICEF or do like the principal just like split it with himself or whatever and like in my mind like all right <laughs> Halloween money we got Halloween money I mean I don't think they were putting it on a they were putting on a big ship to East Timor and they were just They're like bring the penny trains. truck get the penny dump truck over here we got to bring this load down. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the boxes had like a sick, like a terrible child from like Africa, like initiated, like you yes, know, the whole fucking. Still, that that's actually what scarred me from Halloween was like the UNICEF boxes, and like, I'm gonna start putting those cans out for like uh, I'm just gonna like look really feeble and like lie on the ground, like save save Bonaduce fund, and I'm gonna put them in like convenience stores and stuff like that. And be like, a Bonaduce is lost every day. You can help a Bonaduce make a difference. Like, it'll be like, what's a Bonaduce? Like, it'll become a thing. For the price of a cup of coffee. For the price of two cups of, for, for the price of a Starbucks cup of coffee. You can help Nick get a Starbucks cup of coffee. You can, you can help Nick live, you can help Nick live a life of luxury. <laughs> I just, a memory just came back to me. Amos Terrace back in the 80s, early 90s. When I was old enough to be out without my parents. When was that? There was this house. 21? This was probably, what, like 9, 10 years old my parents started letting me go out? <laughs> um, well, no, because once Greg could go out by himself, my parents were like, you just go with him. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was out a little young, like 9, 10. He fucking hated you for that. I know. But, dude, there was this house where one year we went to it, and the lady was so nice. She was an older lady. Oh. She, You could tell she was just kind of a shit kicker. Like, she thought we were funny little wise asses. She was like, I'm out of candy. We were like, ah, okay. And she's like, you better not egg my fucking house. You know, we were like, all right, because you told us not to, we won't, blah, blah, blah. She was laughing. She goes, you guys want sodas? We were like, fuck yeah. So she gave us each a full can of soda. Oh, yeah. And dude, for the rest of my time trick-or-treating, every year we'd go to that house, towards because that was up towards the end of my neighborhood. Mm. We'd go there towards the end of the night. And it, the next year we went, and it was like, uh, she'd give us candy. We'd be like, oh, no sodas this year. She's like, oh, you guys, of course I got you the sodas. She would give us sodas. And for four or five years there in my trick-or-treating career, 
we'd go towards the end, you know, when it's like you're the only kids left on the blocks. Yeah. So we had tons of kids down the hill, oh, kids yeah. everywhere. And uh, with nobody else out on the streets, we'd go, hang out, drink a soda, catch up with that lady. It was the only time I would talk to her all year. Super nice. Great memory. Were you, were you, um, She's probably... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So she, she sounds like she might actually be the spirit of Halloween. She was great. She was great. Gave us full... Like, just drinking a full fucking orange soda at 10 o'clock at night on a school night with some lady, with some elderly lady who you don't know, but you can tell this lady likes to stir up shit. Yeah, that's, that's a great childhood memory. And that's something that also could protect your house um, from being vandalized on Mischief Night. Oh, dude, if anybody messed with that lady's house, we would have gone to war. I, my mom. We would, have, we would have held the line and defended that soda house. So there was there was two big things, you know, or a couple of different things. A house that gave out full candy bars. Uh, that was always a go thing. We had to cross Mount Pleasant and go into a different neighborhood to get a full candy bar. But my mom, like, used to give these little, those little Halloween bags. And there'd be at least five pieces of candy in like every bag. And to this point, even when I lived in Waretown for 15 years for Halloween, like I had this weird thing. I have a fear of running out of candy on Halloween because we used to get high volume in our neighborhood too. Like kids would come from other neighborhoods, whatever. So I used to buy massive amounts of like candy. Plus I'm like, I have a terrible sweet tooth. And when I would take the kids out, I would look forward to filling, I would have this gigantic salad bowl I would put out, like a, like probably five pounds of fucking candy. And I would pray every year that some kid would come up and steal the entire fucking bowl of candy. And every year when I came back, the kids were so good, they would go up there and take like, you know, two or three pieces and like, that was it. Mike D, you're shaking your head. Explain this. Well, I remember we would search out any house, Nick and I, where if they had a bowl out front that said, oh. happy Halloween, take one. <laughs> We would just, and as what scumbags we were, not only would we take one, I remember a few times taking the entire bowl. Yeah, take the whole bowl. I remember coming home from Halloween the next morning, my mother would be like, where did you get this? And it was like a 12-inch pumpkin-shaped like chafing dish that I had just thrown in my bag. This one year, we almost burnt down somebody's house because this goes back to the accelerant thing. Like, for whatever reason, we all went out with like cans of like fucking hairspray and Aquanet. And like people used to do like nice pumpkin displays with candles in them back then before they started using those fucking lights. And we'd be like, we're like, hey, uh, trick or treat. And like, somebody'd be like spraying, like Aquanet would be like a flame four feet high. And like their house would be like, the pumpkins would all be on fire and shit. So like, this is what happens if you don't let your fucking kid out on mischief night. He's going to go out on Halloween and burn somebody's fucking house down. But I think that's part, dude, I think part of Halloween and mischief night as a package is the idea of every kid needs to realize society only works if you're all in on making it work. Play your part. So one night a year, you don't have to, so you know what that feels like. And then you put that shit to bed, and you get back in the rhythm of things. Especially for the kids that are good all the time. Yes. I think it's important to, like, have the outlet. Like, their parents might, they're what, like you said, helicopter parenting. Like, yes. can never, like, do anything or everything. You know what I mean? Like, and I had strict parents, and it was probably the thing that made me the most, like, mischievous and, like, secretive. Like, it... it prompted me to be a worse like vandal than I should have been I think so don't suppress your kids let them out on Halloween go buy them shaving cream eggs and toilet paper and give them three hours and be like okay cover as much ground or until you run out of your shit and then come back here wear a mask oh, and don't get fucking caught alright and wear all black do you guys remember do you remember any um 
the unwritten rules. Like, like for example, here in West Orange, there's no rules. There was a house, dude. <laughs> all the rules are unwritten in West Orange. We know this, but there was a house on Maple Street where every I'm talking every year we realized there was this house that put their lights off. And in general, yeah. if the lights are off, you skip the house, right? That either means they went yeah, out for the night yet. or they're yeah. out of candy. Sorry. But these motherfuckers had a real big TV, which back in the 90s was rare. And they would be in their living room watching TV. And they had the curtains open so you could see that they were on the first floor and the TV was on. And we would light that house up with eggs. That was on Maple Street between Valley Way and Mississippi Ave. And if you're listening to this now and you're older and you're like, I think that was my house. Yeah, we used to egg you because there was an unwritten rule, which is if you turn the lights out, shut it down for the night. Yeah. I don't want to see you with your fancy TV through the window. At that point, you're just like, you should have bought more candy. You clearly got money. You got the if nicest gonna be... TV in the neighborhood. Yeah. This is the era before big screen TVs. So you get eggs. You want to pull that shit. If you're going to be a douchebag and you're cheap and you don't want to buy fucking candy for the kids in your neighborhood. Go somewhere else for the Go night. outside and just put an empty bowl out there and a smashed pumpkin and maybe like, oh, these guys got screwed. Like they don't have any more yes. candy. Yes. So if you're going to be cheap. Put an empty bowl. Don't get your house trashed. Or go to somebody else's Halloween party and leave the neighborhood for trick-or-treating hours. That's Come back when later. next thing you know, you walk outside your door and somebody took a dump on your fucking front steps. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and we all know who did that. Not me. Let's move on. Let's just That's move right. on. We don't talk about that. One other funny, funny thing that <laughs> is that how our listeners learn that there's a story we've never told on the air about someone in our friend group who did take a dump on someone's steps as revenge. We'll move on. Let's just all move on. No, no need to light anything on fire. <laughs> Mike D, let's get no. Why? Why do it in a bag when you can do it directly on the steps? Anyway, for the record, if you oh, get caught committing a crime with uh, human feces, you will be locked up for twenty four hours for observation. Just so you know. Oh, in if you're caught by the police, if you're caught by the homeowner, you might go on one of the most <laughs> insane fucking. Don't get caught with your pants down, as they say, right? <laughs> Anyway, we'll have to get. I mean, that's honestly a story that if it's going to be told, we need permission from the party. And uh, they will have to be present to to account for that. But goddamn, that's the stories we don't tell on this show would blow people's minds. I don't anyway. remember half these things until we start talking about oh, something, and too. it like it hits me some too. sort of my part of my brain. And I'm like, oh my god, Jesus, Mike D. This is we should have a dead man switch episode where we record all this stuff, and if we die, it just automatically <laughs> will go out to the public because at that point, no one will care. Yeah, all these, the- should, these guys should hear the stuff like when we when we end the show, and then we'll start talking. Like it gets like. We're like, Jesus Christ. Like we, yeah, it gets really dark. That's man. fucking great. Mike T, you've got a killer outline. I want to make sure some Sorry. of these bullet points get put on record. No, because I feel like, that, Mike, you said this exact thing. This is going to lead to a million tangents, and it has. I did just want to give an honorable mention to one last weird thing you might have gotten in your basket, which was those McDonald's gift certificates where yes. you get a free soda. <laughs> yes. And I don't like I the free ice cream cone. Free ice cream cone. I'd actually try to like fucking redeem those and they would like never take them. Really? Yeah. Plus like who the fuck holds on the coupons when you're a kid? Jesus Christ. What? Couponing was big, but it was like, hey, mom, can you hold on to this fucking coupon for a free shake? Also, there's it's bringing up other unofficial rules, which is... Straight up. You want to be a raisin house? All right. You're taking a chance. You do that enough years in a row. You give us raisins enough year in, years in a row. Guess what? This is a neighborhood where we grew up and where I grew up in particular. Everybody knows everybody. 
You think we're not tracking the raisin houses year to year? Okay, here's a question. You think you can give raisins two years in a row? Yeah. You think if you do it two years in a row and you get away with it that you're not on thin ice? You're a candy house next year, motherfucker, or else you're an egg-coated house. You try to give raisins three years in a row, you just fucking did the A&P a favor, motherfucker, because they're egg the eggs, the price of eggs just shot through the roof. We grew up because um, demand is high. We grew up in a, a time period of just regular raisins. But like, what would you feel if somebody gave you like those nice boxes of like, which I really enjoy the yogurt covered ones or the chocolate covered ones? Not a raisinette, oh. but it's like the healthy version. That's a candy. Dude, I enjoy those. I wouldn't. I don't can- know if- you're trying at that point. You're trying. You give me a little tiny red box of raisins multiple years in a row, and it's not even that many raisins in there. And anybody over the age of fucking three years old, their finger is going to be too big to get in that box, get those clumped together, fucked up raisins. The only good thing about those boxes (laughs) was that you could turn them into a whistle after you emptied them. Yes. Yeah, but then it becomes a wet (laughs) saliva-covered mess in 30 fucking seconds. Who cares? Listen, Listen, man. The box had its charms. You do that enough years in a row. You're a raisin house. Raisin houses and penny. You live in it. You are in a low rung on this particular Halloween cast system. Raisin penny apple. You're getting fucking destroyed. Your house getting lit on fire oh, next year. Apple, fuck you. Apple. Because our parents wouldn't even let us eat the apples. Apple's the worst thing. Yeah, we were in the razor blade era. That apple immediately got thrown directly at the fucking house anyway, so it didn't matter. It got smashed in their driveway the second they shut the door. No, it got thrown directly at their house and sometimes broke windows, but whatever. (laughs) Don't be a raisin house. Don't be an apple house. My mother listens to this and she's like, my God. I was like. Does she really? Oh, yeah. My mom would never. My mom's like, you're like, who are you? (laughs) Well, they know who I am. The Raisin House, the Apple House, the Penny House. Don't be that guy, everybody. Be the Soda House. Be the full-size Snicker Bar House. Get a two liter of cola. Come correct. Get some Rock Spring Cola. I'm correct. The person who, when you said trick or treat, would ask for the trick. Oh, you know oh. who that was in my neighborhood. Oh, yeah. That's the best story ever. For anybody who has not caught it, because we've told it before, so I won't tell the full version. It was a well-known thing. So... Our town was ruled by the benevolent iron fist of a man named Sammy the Bulldog Spina. Best mayor ever. He was the mayor for the entirety of our childhood. I didn't even really know there could be another mayor. Sammy the Bulldog. Sam Spina was, I mean, for how many years? Well into- I mean, my entire- We were in high school, right? My entire, like, I have pictures of me next to fire trucks with Sam Spina, like, behind (laughs) us. at every town event. In the Chronicle, right? Yeah. And then he's the guy who, like, saved my ass from the Marine Corps my senior year. My mother had to call up, like, Mayor Spina to, like, intervene- on the Marine Corps because they were like, tra- they were waiting outside my house in the morning to like drive me to school and like stuff like that. And, and like Sammy, the bulldog took me aside, like at the, like one of the career things at the end of the year, you know, the, the college is coming, all that shit. He's like, Nikki, I didn't have a lot of opportunities and blah, blah, blah. He's like, you're too smart to do this. He's like, and you know, I was like, well, I was like, this is crazy. Like, I'm, I was so flattered that like the mayor of the mayor town. Spina like came over, like you know what I mean, like and and after like who knows, like my, my, the one guy you would knock man. on his door. He lived on Maple Street, like set two houses down from Mississippi, on a lot that was twice as big as any other lot in our neighborhood. All the houses right next to each other where I grew up. Yeah, and then he had some space, man. Sam Spina had some fucking space, some room to breathe. When West Orange was West Orange, and that motherfucker, you not everybody went to his house because people were intimidated, but we learned 
that he would make you come inside. And he'd say, all right, I have treats. Let me ask him. He said, trick. I want the trick. I'm going to ask you a question. Where's the trick? And this is, oh, yeah, I got lots of tricks. I, the amount of times I did like. What were you doing? What was your trick? Cart- Dude, I'd be in the fucking mayor of town's living room dressed as fucking Casey Jones from Ninja Turtles doing <laughs> like a backward somersault on his living room rug. You think of like how, and if, if somebody did that now and you were the trick. mayor, you'd be like on the fucking news for being like some kind of yeah. creep now. I mean, it was close back yeah. then. It didn't feel totally right back then. I can't lie. All due respect to Sammy the Bulldog. Yeah. God bless him. I grew up in a good town. I love West Orange. It's a wild place, man. What if you went up to Sam Spina now? Right? Let's say he was around and like, whatever. I don't know. Anyway. Talked about him that he may rise as a zombie. This is something we've actually oh discussed yeah, on the show. That's fantastic. In the past. I'll, I'm all about I'll vote for him. That motherfucker shook hands. Your parents hit their 50th wedding. Your grandparents hit their he 50th knew. wedding anniversary. He knew everybody. He's down there taking a picture with them at the Elks Lodge. He would engage you in conversation and be like, reference like something from your past or your family or whatever like that. He knew you. He knew who your grandparents were. He knew who your- Oh, yeah. The cops knew. That was a different town back then. He knew which school your baby, you know. Do you think Sam Spina would let the town code enforcement person go after- Bagels by Jarrett. Yeah. It would have been settled, man. It would have been settled. He'd be like, oh, you got to put these blinds down because the fucking sun is blinding you in your business. Um, He'd be like, all right, listen. Nah, back then things got settled, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know what I mean? He would have just stood in the parking lot every day with uh, like a Kukaloris, like on a film set, blocking the sun himself. Every day from 2.15 to 3.10, he would stand outside there. We gotta do something. We gotta make that mountain higher over there. Can we make that mountain higher and block the sun? Like, I got this. But Sam, dude, Sam Spina would not have trifled with the world of social media. He wouldn't have stood for that shit. I think it would have been an excellent example. Like, he'd be like a he Joe D. Been Joe at the D. Time. Yeah. He would be like Joe D. Here's a picture of some new shit that I'm building. Yeah. Say thanks next time you see me, motherfuckers. I don't want to hear about it. Carson's here. Carson, you're going to have to go on mute mid-episode. Oh, Carson, we're going to make you come on and actually talk to us. Carson lived in a great Halloween section of town, too. Because Carson lived on a hill. Yeah, oh my God. Where Now that your parents have moved, I feel like, can I now reveal some aspects of this, Carson? So Carson's family lived on a hill in an area that was kind of between you guys and the valley, where we have often debated, was he part of the valley? Was he part of the Gregory section? But every t- every street there is named after colleges. So there's Yale, Terrace, Harvard. The best of and them. I mean, it was built like um, you could walk down that hill almost the same way that Mario walked down in the Donkey Kong game. It switch- there's like, like switchbacks the- on the you hill. Walk down, you walk down like the Donkey Kong, you know, Donkey Kong game down each street. And uh, you could hit up a ton of houses back to back to back to back there. on Hollywood. Yeah, you got to learn how to walk through West Orange. But Carson had a house too in his neighborhood that everybody called the Witches. And then- when we were older, he used to tell me when Carson and I became friends, he'd straight up be oh, like, yes. the people who live behind me are fucking witches. He would tell me about it when we were like 13 and 14 years old. And then uh, that house eventually burned down and they found out there were tons of fucking guns and ammo and fucking grenades and old and like packed to the gills with newspapers in there. And they were like, not witches, but they were like, uh, survivalists, like early doomsday, yeah, early doomsday like preppers. prepper. He yeah. was that crazy prepper. Yeah. He got had like, 
he had like something like twenty thousand rounds of ammo and all this other kind of. They had to let the house burn down because the fire department tried to go in there and it was just like ping, 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 ping yeah. with bullets exploding. Like fucking wild rounds. On Halloween, you would hold your bag out and they would throw like a couple five, six, two shells into it for kids. Yeah, give me some blockbusters. Can you imagine somebody in West Orange would have done that shit. Mike D had like crazy, um, crazy um, uh, people living next door. They were like killing goats in the backyard and doing like crazy <laughs> satanic shit. Uh, no, no, excuse me, not uh, satanic, but they were. What were we gonna say? What's the appropriate? They were. Um, they were from Haiti. Well, they're probably also cooking up some goat curry that was delicious. That would have been great, but I think the goat was being sacrificed in the backyard in yeah. a certain way, and then there would be like red lights on. It was oh. actual hoodoo. This is completely true. I mean, it's an accurate. What's the What's the movie from um, from the nineties, late late eighties, early nineties? <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> when the guy gets turned into a zombie, they get the what the hell is it called? It's a great movie. <laughs> Wait a second, how have I never heard this? You've never you heard, heard of this? this? Your oh. next door neighbors used to sacrifice oh, goats so, and do ceremonies. So, oh, so good. And here's this is how we first found out about it. So this actually this is very Halloween themed. So they put up a privacy fence around Mike D's house. The the way that their their houses were. My brother's bedroom was against the against the wall in his bedroom, and that was the outside wall. And there was a window, like essentially, like right at the foot of his bed. And one night, in the middle of the night, he wakes me up. He's like, "Mike, Mike, what?" He's like, "He's like the neighbors are on their roof mowing the mowing the roof. They have a lawnmower on the roof." I'm like, "What? Like, come on, friend. Like, you're out of your gourd." And sure enough, we go out there and our neighbor is on the roof, which is level with my brother's window, pushing a lawnmower back and forth to the point where we both look at him and he makes eye contact with us and gives us like a nod and a wave. And at this point, we start to think there is something extremely bizarre going on in this house. So, you know, being obsessed with spying and ninjas (laughs) at that point, we, Nick, Franny and I, we all begin minutely observing this family at all hours of the night and day and we're like master spies like we are like hiding your bushes observe you like microphones and stuff like we're really good at like we had a whisper 2000 yeah we're, we're yeah those were badass oh that was the best thing ever i want one of those that right? you could like hold it up against a wall and hear what was going on on the other side of the wall yeah yeah you just it's great it's like a walk plus that i'm like older and i'm deaf now now i understand why old people were walking around with those fucking things cheaper than a fucking hearing aid that's for sure so they were doing actual like uh hoodoo ceremonies out there yeah santeria we went to school with like the girl she was like a couple years she might have been franny's age or like a little younger right the uh, daughter yeah i think my brother yeah maybe she might even been in your grade chris yeah that makes sense makes sense yeah we got all kinds of good stuff in west orange we got voodoo Ugh. goat slaughter Roofs being mowed well you know what the the lawnmower that scares away the evil spirits that now that i'm an adult i know that I learned that at Lunar Fair. There's a there's a table there where they talk about how you can use modern uh, small two stroke engines to scare away evil spirits from your house. Love it. Love. Come to Bonaduce's stand. I sell you all kinds of like half broken two stroke engines, like weed whacker engines. You can just run them outside your house. Bonaduce the Conqueror route. <laughs> this is this episode is some people's favorite ever and some people who turned it off 20 minutes ago for being off the rails that's yeah that's the thing so you got to do one episode with me and then one episode without me and then it's like you make everybody happy i love this one well this has a good combination of my weird anger coming out mixed with some subtle playful bonaduce which is just such a great recipe (laughs) 
I do need to get one thing on record though. And Bonaduce, uh, when you joined the room, Mike D and I were actually sitting and watching it on a screen share. Oh. I think that there's nothing that sums up both the past of Halloween and a prediction of, of current day Halloween more than the adventures of Pete and Pete episode entitled Halloweeny. If you don't know about it, the adventures of what big Pete doesn't want to trick dude. It's adventures of Pete and Pete, the most New Jersey show of all time. And it was a nickel oh, okay. Nickelodeon show, Pete and Pete. I mean, there is a crew called the pumpkin eaters that are the older kids who wear pumpkins on their heads, terrorizing everybody. Parents are scared trying to shut down Halloween. Little Pete is like, fuck that. We walk out to the danger zone. There's families dropping candy through their gutters because they're scared to open their front doors, but Halloween somehow survives. There's a kid who becomes notorious because he still dresses up and goes trick-or-treating when he's too old. It's everything about it. Like suburban, the peaceful suburban feeling coupled with the fact that kids sense all this fear that kids create chaos that adults want to keep their eye on things too much it's all there it's a it's a fantastic series and the halloween episode is one of the high watermarks of the entire run of pete and pete i'm gonna watch that tonight i'm on oh, my it's, it's I'm on, on my horror movie like kick right now Dude, watching everything sweet and funny and where you're like yeah being a kid, just that feeling you don't often remember as an adult where you're like, sometimes when you're a kid, the most fun you've ever had and the most scared you've ever been yeah. are happening at the same exact time and you can't quite explain it. The best. And it's exhilarating. That's a New Jersey Halloween that it's most perfect. It should feel genuinely fucked up and dangerous while also feeling like the most pure childhood joy you get to have and all of those contradictions need to be true at the same time and the kids need to be in the driver's seat you got to trigger that fight or flight response when you're young absolutely get that adrenaline going right absolutely man do you remember that show and i it's so crazy because i used to watch it with my daughter and, and it was like on nickelodeon like are you afraid of the dark oh yeah that is a fuck like i watched as an adult i think it's on i forgot what it's on but like i like that goosebumps, all that other stuff. I love that stuff, man. Yeah, for real, dude. Like kids were more; they would scare kids when they were younger back in the day than they do now. Oh yeah. Now they just train you to fucking be like a killer from the time you're like eight years old and like a first person shooter playing Fortnite. When that's okay. Yeah. But you can't go out and throw fucking eggs at a house. Jesus Christ. Okay. Anything else we need on record, Mike D? We have a yes or no list to go through of. Ooh. What I think are the major changes between Halloween in New Jersey in the 80s and now and what we would be comfortable, what what people would be comfortable letting kids do. So, for example, accepting homemade treats and candy. Nope, didn't do it then. Not allowing Cal to do it. Oh, I made this fudge. Really? You did? Well, you're trying to kill kids, you fucking creep. I got my eye on you all year long now, you fucking psycho. I'll be the parent like later in the night one day. It just comes in the kitchen like, ah. Oh. <laughs> oh yes the house where they give you like a brownie and a paper towel wrapped in a weird sad paper towel oh really it's like it's like oily on the outside you trying to just kill me or are you gonna fuck me first that was how i felt about those houses i made these a couple weeks ago i kept them in the basement yeah right i slipped okay unsupervised trick-or-treating oh, no parents fucking yes love it 
That was a big... What's the youngest age it's allowed? When we... Seven. I remember my sister used to have to take me out. Seven. And then once we had a group of friends, we kind of had like a parent for a little bit. Like when I think probably seven, eight, but I think by like fifth grade, we were like on our own. And it was like, don't cross these roads. I'm like, okay. I think it was fifth grade as well. Yeah. Same thing. Don't go lower than Harrison F. Don't cross Eagle Rock. Don't go above Mountain F. That was our borders. Trick or treating alone by yourself? Be letting a, yeah, should a kid be allowed to trick or treat solo? Mm. No, not without a friend. I think that's a general safety thing. It's only because it's sad. Only because it's sad. Man. And it's sad. Yeah. If a kid just came alone with it is sad. no friend group and no supervision, I'd be like, "Do you need somebody to fucking go with you?" Like, that's or he was the kid that was like, uh, "We're all going home." He's like, "Fuck that! I'm canvassing the rest of these neighborhoods. I'm going solo because I want 14 bags of candy." Yeah. There was some of that. Uh oh, I just thought of another unofficial rule. How do you guys feel about teenagers who don't even bother wearing costumes? Still trick or treat. No candy. You don't get candy. Unacceptable. Now, you show up at my house just I've in a said fucking it to hoodie. Kids. I've said the kids in my house and work yeah, time. I was like, I'm not giving effort. you any candy, motherfucker. Like, you don't even have a mask on. Like, fuck you. We <laughs> you went out. We had, <laughs> we had, what's that? <laughs> you said that to a child? No, they were like <laughs> teenage you. kids. And I was like, I was like, not, like <laughs> one person has a costume. I'm not giving you any candy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, really? I'm like, yeah, really, man. I was like, we were 17. We were such scumbags. And we would go out with two different fucking masks so that you could hit the houses yeah. twice. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was a low, like it's, a, I don't know, I think we were just probably smoking too much pot or something. I think you've got to have a costume, even if it's the, the most basic homemade thing. Yeah. Even if you were to say, use a permanent marker to draw sideburns and a mustache on. Yeah. That would be acceptable. It's acceptable. <laughs> One of you do that? Franny might have. I feel like Franny's driven like uh, pork chops on his head before. Yeah, he did. How many days of school until it, while it was still visible? <laughs> It turned into a scene from Macbeth because he drew on sideburns and a goatee. And shortly after he did it, I think you were there, Nick, as well. We started saying, oh, you know, these markers are toxic, man. The poison is probably leaking into you. And he, and, and he started freaking out, scrubbing his face with Brillo, and, which was his turn. Yeah. In was red and raw. He had chopped meat face. He had chopped meat, chopped meat sideburns. And it did, <laughs> the, the ink did not go away for weeks. He had a thin, skanky, sideburn mustache goatee for weeks after this. It was one of those things. At, at that point, my mom was just so disgusted with us. She didn't even really bat an eye. She didn't even want to know what happened. Yeah. As long as nothing was broken, like... We, we were calling him poison burn for weeks. We're like, oh, the poison is leaking in. Your mother was also, like, the parent of two boys. So, like, they're kind of, like, hardened. Like, your, you know, your parents, Chris. Like, uh, if you have two boys, it's a different dynamic. Like, sh like your entire life is, like... The two brothers like fighting and putting themselves through walls, you know. All right. Any other? Uh, any other checklist? <laughs> eating on un eating uninspected candy. Oh, definitely. Do you yeah, I'm not inspecting every piece of candy. What kid waited till they got home to eat the candy? Not me. Oh. Like, if you wanted to kill kids, you know what you do? You put them in fucking Reese's peanut butter cups because that's oh, the yeah. first fucking thing I eat. I will eat them all fucking night long. If yeah. you put razor blades in there, I'd be dead the first time I ate my candy out of the fucking bag. I think you can buy them now with the razor blades all, already in it on Amazon. Yeah. They have like, yeah, they're made of like cellulose. They actually, they melt in your mouth now. So you're like, oh my God, I think I've been into something. But like, oh, oh that would be so good. We should make like, um, like trick candy that like you think there's something in it, but it's really edible. Dude, <laughs> if 
someone made candy razor blades to intentionally stick in apples. Would that be in bad taste? Like that would be kind of amazing. No, because that shit's never been real, right? No. Like we have a can like we have a candied covered apple with like fake razors in the middle. The apple and razor blade thing was never real. Some you know what I mean? I tried to put like a razor blade in a snicker bar and give it to my sister, okay? What? <laughs> You're the only one who actually did it. I know, it was trying. It was actually a shish kebab stick, and I cut off the ends, and you could still see the wood. <laughs> That's very Greek of you. It's Organized trick-or-treating became a thing in the 1950s in the U.S. As soon as that happened, urban legends started that people would take skillets with oil, and they would heat up pennies, and when kids would hold out their hand for candy, they would yeah! dump the like hot, scalding pennies into their hands. That was the first one. Then in 1970, you get that New York Times article where, where Dr. Hollis Ingram, New York State Health Commissioner, says children should not eat any of their collected goodies until they have been carefully examined by an adult. In recent years, pins, razor blades, slivers of glass, and poison have appeared in the treats gathered by children across New York State. Never. None of that ever happened. But then in 1982, you have the Tylenol poisoning which freaked out people, and that's where the apples and the razor blade stuff, it sort of piggybacked off the Tylenol poisoning thing that happened. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That was like a crazy... Like, that's like a brief history of... Tylenol, white vans, <laughs> white vans driving through your neighborhoods. Homie the Clown. Homie the Clown. Oh, uh, the Homie the Clown scare. I was in fifth grade for that. That was scary shit, man. They had cops outside the elementary schools. That was something that could actually happen down the hill. That's why. People dressed as homie, the clown, kidnapping yeah. kids. Yes. A lot of rumors about that, man. What else is on the uh, yes or no list, Mike? Uh, or are we good? What is, what is the latest acceptable time to ring a doorbell on Halloween? If the light is on, you can still ring it. Yeah. It's all light-based. If the light if the light goes off, respect it. It depends if like Halloween's during a weekday or on the weekend. That's true too. But generally like it drops because I think like if it's Wednesday night and it's like ten o'clock and you're knocking on the door like and you don't get candy, it shouldn't be like a big surprise. But ten o'clock's too late. I think nine o'clock for me is like the cutoff time. I think ten is fine if the light is on. If the lights go off, yeah. you don't knock on the door. Light you can also on. tell by like the kid traffic on the street still too. It's true. Yeah. All right, what else? Are you willing to force a kid to wear embarrassing reflective gear? No, no reflect. No, no, no. all black. No. The more chance nope. you have of getting hit by a car driving through the neighborhood too fast, <laughs> the better your costume. Bonfires. Absolutely. Oh, big bonfire person. Yeah. Whether they're intentional or not. Chasing and harassing strangers. <laughs> yes. Part of the oh, fun. I still part do that. Of why I'm in it. I do that every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one, joyful vandalism. Oh, I mean, how many, how long do I have to talk about well, how we need to bring do back? You engage, here's a question. Do you engage yeah. in a joyful vandalism now as an adult mm. secretly and don't tell other people about? I do have one thing. If I'm eating something, I don't even think this counts, but if I'm eating something that biodegrades, yeah. I will I'm with you. willfully toss yeah. it out of a moving car window when I'm done with it. <laughs> A hundred percent. I had somebody yell at me on the parkway in traffic because I was eating pistachios. I was, I got to went through this phase where I had like those 10 pound bags of fucking pistachios in my work truck. And I'm like sitting in traffic, like summer traffic, you know, and I'm like eating pistachios and I'm just throwing the shells out the window. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? I was like, I'm throwing the fucking shells out the window. They're like, that's littering. I was like, they're fucking pistachio nuts. And I said, they're biodegradable. And they just looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> when they say, what are you doing? 
you should just look at them and go, I'm minding my own fucking business. What are you doing? And then yeah, check I'm what not, state like, those license plates I usually, t- anytime somebody is going to engage you on the roadway, especially in stop traffic, yeah. that's a red flag. So just make sure you got your mag light under the seat and, uh, you know, be ready to jump out. I hear you. I hear you. And again, cameras ruined that. Joyful vandalism. I feel like it should be, kids should not even... If you call the cops on a kid TPing your house at Halloween, the police should arrest you. <laughs> Dude, it needs we need to bring it back. They won't even respond unless something's broken or like somebody was like threatened. Bring it back. I think it depends what town you live in. TP, eggs, shaving cream, all allowed. Batteries. No acetone. You can't pour acetone on people's cars. Can't spell your name in bleach on somebody's front lawn. Where do you wake up tomorrow? You should only relieve yourself in a toilet. Oh, it's me, Bonaduce and shaving cream. <laughs> in a toilet that's attached to plumbing. So if it's a toilet that just happens it to be might, sitting out yeah. on the side of the road somewhere. That's kind of good. Unless it's Livingston, at which case, go to town. All bets are off. Anyway, this is mighty. What an episode. Yeah, good episode. You designed it for the tangents, and I'd like to think that the tangents came through. Want to hear everybody else's opinions. What are the unwritten rules of Halloween? What are the aspects of a New Jersey-based Halloween? What was Halloween like where you grew up? Because that I I also feel this. The down the hill. I mean, West Orange is this crazy town, right? Where up the hill, you're pretty much in the West Essex life. And down the hill... Sometimes you're bordering some of the more urban areas and that mix really shows up on Halloween, right? Um, Halloween in Hunterdon County, probably very different than what we described. Different types of mischief, different types of candy gathering. I want to know what it's like all over the state, wherever you grew up. Let us know your particular Halloween traditions, the unwritten rules, the houses you remember. I want to know. Yeah, we would like to do uh, a Halloween-themed gagoots. So mm. call in. Oh, that would be incredible. Call in and and debate our points of Halloween. We should do like a live video one for that so everybody can watch us interacting. The number is of course nine seven three seven eight zero four six six zero. It's nine seven three seven eight zero four six six zero. If you've got Halloween opinions, war stories, unwritten rules, the ways it worked in your town, your neighborhood, we do want to hear all about it. That's nine seven three seven eight zero four six six zero. Happy Goosey Night. Ladies and gentlemen, how's it going? This is the voice of super producer Carson, the Colonel, Cop, here to thank you for listening to this episode of Wotown. I am also here to encourage you to bang the line of our Google voicemail account at 973-780-4660. That is 973-780-4660. 4660 and leave us a message detailing any and all stories of your misguided and misspent youth in regards to Halloween, more specifically, Mischief Night. Was your town notorious? Is your town notorious? Are you still doing shit that you are way too old to do? We want to know. The listeners want to know. And upon review, your call might be featured on an upcoming episode. Garden State Gagoots, which we are trying to piece together for Halloween. So get those calls coming in, and we'll get those calls going out. Caveat, I have to implore that you do not incriminate yourselves or others. Please, no last names, no direct home addresses. Um, Other than that, fair play, have at it. 
Now all the fun stuff. You can find us on Instagram at New Jersey is the world. You can find us on the web at New Jersey is the world.com or search for us on Patreon. Um, we offer free feed episodes that you can find readily available wherever you find podcasts, or you can go to patreon.com and subscribe, uh, for a very low fee. You get all the extra crap that we cram into this thing bi-weekly. So much bang, so little buck, you'd be a fool. Also, we have merch available at belowthecollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Uh, we have all the old favorites, and we are constantly switching out short-run limited editions uh, that you can scoop up and uh, rock before they are gone forever. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you all very much. Hell, call the voicemail line for any and all tidbits and information, funny or otherwise, at 973 973- 7804660 Thank you from New Jersey is the world where New Jersey is the world